Revelation chapter 8, verse 1. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. And the first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood, and they, were cast upon the, and they were cast upon the earth. And the third part of the trees were burnt up, and all green grass was burnt up. And the second angel sounded, as it were a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea, and the third part of the sea became blood. And the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, and the third part of the ships were destroyed. And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell unto the third part of the rivers, and upon the fountains of water. And the name of the star is called Wormwood, and the third part of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died of the waters, because they were made bitter. And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars. So as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for the third part of it, and the night likewise. And I beheld, and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, 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 to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices, of the trumpets of the three angels, which are yet to sound. You may be seated. Good morning. Blessings in the name of the Lord. <clears throat> Two weeks ago, we, were at, we had visitors here at church, and Jake Deaners had invited them home to their house for lunch and invited us too. And the one couple was a pastor from Weavertown, New York. <laughs> I didn't know there was any place like that. Very interesting. The other two couples too had, were professional people, um, very interesting what we learned from them about some things in the outside world. <clears throat> One week ago was the uh, anniversary for Mine Road Congregation. It was our 50th anniversary. And two weeks ago was our 110th anniversary here for Weavertown Church for its beginnings. So those kind of things have come together in an interesting way. Today now, there's the dedication for the congregation at Prairie County as an outreach from our church. Those things all indicate progress and growth and the work of the Lord. And uh, the work of the Lord moves forward. Prophecy is forward. The whole Bible 
the whole work of God moves forward, and we with it, if we are in tune with God. I became aware this morning, or in preparing for the Sunday school class, that my commentary on Acts says that the temple proper was 16 acres, and as I pulled the book to look at the picture, I wanted to show the class a diagram of the temple proper, it's 26 acres. Be about the size of this farm across Caddy Corner, like we say across from a church parking lot. Uh, those two fields and the field out back, that we're doing that farm. And that farm is 30 acres. So you get a picture of those three fields to get an idea of the size of 26 acres of the whole uh, property of the temple. So when they went to the temple, they didn't just go to the building, but they went to the whole uh, property of those 26 acres. <clears throat> so in this, looking at this message here about the trumpets of God, I was sitting over there on the pew. I looked up here in the pulpit area and it made me kind of weak to think about standing here and speaking forth God's truth. I don't have any problem with giving this message. It's, it's not the message, it's myself. <laughs> because the word of God is quick and powerful. It's living and it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. It's a work of God that is given to men to handle, to study, to teach, and to preach, and especially to live it. Then as I sat there, I looked at the area. I got tears in my eyes because I just wished Jesus would just come and give us his sermon. As he spoke these words to John, that he would just come and stand here and speak forth God's truth on this subject. But we understand that he has given the word of God that's to be spoken and to be preached by men. So I want to, by the help of God, do that. <clears throat> the first mention of trumpets in the Bible is in Exodus 19. And we're not going to turn there, but that was, maybe we should. Exodus 19, <clears throat> we have in the Bible what is called the law of first mention. That would be the first time it's mentioned in the Bible. The significance of it has something to do about the ways in which it is given in the Bible in a standard sort of way and helps us in understanding that particular word or that particular subject or that, the way that was handled. Exodus 19, verses 16 to 25 <clears throat> is about when Moses was called up to the mount, and I'll read verse 16. I'm not sure how far I'll read from there, not all of it. But Exodus 19, verse 16. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace and the whole mount quaked greatly. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, 
Moses spake, and God answered him by a voice. First mention of the word trumpet here in the Bible. And it's preliminary to giving of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, right in the next chapter. That's why if you're looking in your Bible, you can see that. And it puts perspective to the giving of the Ten Commandments. And there would be a message on each of those Ten Commandments. That would be ten sermons right there. The basis of my message is, is in Numbers chapter 10. And in writing the commentary on the New Testament, <clears throat> I have some books along in Acts I ran out. The other time we got some more. So if you're interested, they're available today or whenever you want them. Uh, <clears throat> in writing and commentary on the New Testament, here I came to the trumpets in Revelation. And doing a little research, just checking it out, what's about these trumpets? <clears throat> so the um, research took me to Numbers 10. In Numbers 10, it will say that Moses shall be taking a, a glob of silver. And out of it, he shall beat out a trumpet. And he used to make two trumpets. And then he gives the purpose for those trumpets. It says that with one trumpet blast, it's for worship. And when there are two or more, it is for war. Reading now Numbers Chapter 10, 1 through 9. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Make thee two trumpets of silver. Of a whole piece shalt thou make them, that thou mayest use them for the calling of the assembly and for the journeying of the camps. And when they shall blow with them, all the assembly shall assemble themselves to thee at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And if they blow but one trumpet... Then the princes, which are heads of the households of Israel, shall gather themselves together, uh, gather themselves unto thee. When ye blow an alarm, it'll state a little later here what the alarm is. <clears throat> when ye blow an alarm, then the camps that lie on the east parts shall go forward. And when ye blow an alarm the second time, then the camps that lie on the south shall take their journey. They shall blow an alarm for their journeys. But when the congregation is to be gathered together, ye shall blow, but ye shall not sound an alarm. And the sons of Aaron, the priests, shall blow with the trumpets, plural, and they shall be to you for an ordinance forever throughout your generations. And if ye go to war in your land against the enemy that oppresseth you, then ye shall blow an alarm with the trumpets... And ye shall be remembered before the Lord your God, and ye shall be saved from your enemies. So when they were to gather for worship, they were to blow one trumpet. And when it came time to assemble for war, and to muster and call up the, for uh, soldiers, then they were blown numbers of times when they knew that things are really serious, and we go right now. It would be, did you boys have, girls have anything in school about the Minutemen? In colonial days up in the Northeast, uh, the Minutemen, 
um, when they were under the uh, King of England, and the um, people here wanted their independence, then they had Minutemen. They were the men who would be called at a moment's notice to respond for war right now because the British are coming. Mm -hmm. So this was the Minutemen back then before they were in our country. <clears throat> so we have here that one trumpet is for worship and two or more is for war. That's the basis of the message. And we'll see through the New Testament in particular how that becomes very significant. In Revelation uh, chapter 8, it says there about the blowing of the trumpets. We should go back there just for a bit of uh, further basis here for the message. There will be, there are before the seven trumpets, there are, is the opening of the seven seals. And those, I think, were scrolls that were wrapped up. And when the writing was done on the scroll, and it, you keep writing and rolling and put it all on a scroll, and when you're done, you seal it. And you had to be an authorized person to open the seals. And so we have a place there in chapter 5 where the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof, which would be a sermon just in itself. I had, I mean, the Calvary Messenger, I didn't see it yet myself because we were absent last Sunday. We didn't get our Calvary Messenger. But I think the article is in there that is suggesting that pastors in all our churches would preach on prophecy uh, six Sundays of the year, which would be one, once every other month. And in keeping the burden I have is that all of our preaching, almost all of our preaching, so much of our preaching is everything about now. It pertains to now. Where is a perspective about now? Well, perspective is given by history. And we also gain perspective by, of, of the now by prophecy. And being able to know history and becoming more conversant on prophecy will help us to better fulfill right now. Amen? That's my burden. I don't want to be a specialist on prophecy, but I have been very excited in writing the history of the church in Acts. And I didn't look forward to writing that book at all. I became very excited about the history of the early church. And when I wrote the, the, the prophecy, uh, the revelation, the book is finished, just isn't published yet, I became very excited about the themes that are in the book. And so I thought, maybe, maybe for uh, preaching six messages from the book of Revelation per year, you wouldn't soon exhaust it. I would suppose that you could do 25 sermons out of the book of Revelation without stretching things just a whole lot. But then I realized there's 22 chapters in the book of Revelation. <laughs> 22 chapters. And I would think that you could probably make about four messages out of each chapter. That'd be 100 messages. Well, 22 chapters, 110 messages. More or less. Uh, could be more. 
Here we have a message now about the trumpets. And we're not even talking about, we're not even going to be addressing what those trumpets signify, all seven of them. We're talking about the trumpets of God in general. So the trumpet of God are summons. Um, you girls on front bench. One trumpet means what? Say it. One trumpet is? Okay. And two trumpets or more is what? War. Coming together for war. Get ready. Get your swords. Bring your armor. Let's go. In uh, Revelation 8, we have the introduction to the seven trumpets. They continue then in chapter, oh, in chapter, uh, following chapters. And the seventh trumpet is not until Revelation 11:15. And in that time, there's an interlude. There are a number of interludes in the book of Revelation, and those all would make a subject easily of themselves. The interludes. It's where a story is given, and we read a lot of stories like this. A story is given, and you have the main characters, and then you have meanwhile back at the ranch, that kind of thing. Or meanwhile, while this has been happening, over there has been something else taking place that's going to affect what happens here later in the story. You have that. You know what I mean? Interludes. So you have, here's the main thing, but over there somewhere, unknown to these characters here, something else is developing that's going to affect the story. Well, that's what we have in Revelation, which makes very interesting reading, that while the prophecies are about judgments upon the earth, the interludes are about what's happening in heaven. That meanwhile in heaven, there are things taking place. A very active work of God orchestrating everything upon the earth, and meanwhile, in heaven, in the various interludes, there are things taking place also that will have a bearing on the up to, leading up to the very time of the end. So here we have, in um, a third part of the creatures of the sea died, um, third part of the sun was made dark so that in that time, and we believe that this is going to, speaking of, Revelation is speaking prophetically of a seven-year period in which these judgments would fall. God made the earth in six days, and the seventh day he rested. When he had called Noah into the ark, Noah was in the ark for seven days before the rains fell. I think it's a picture of this that there will be seven years before the very time of the end will come, before the closing of the age. So in uh, chapter 6, verse 8, one-fourth of the men were killed. In chapter 9, verse 18, one-third of the people were killed. In 11, 13, 7,000 were killed. And another time, there were many people died because of the plagues. Have you ever thought about when the last trumpet will sound? When I should not say the last trumpet. When the trumpet will sound, 
and the dead in Christ shall rise. <laughs> It'll be a time for worship. <laughs> One trumpet by the angel of God will be sounded, and the dead will be raised, and we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Pretty special, Dave. Pretty special. One trumpet. And we'll be there. How many people might go with that trumpet sound? That's my question. How many people might go? Google gives us there are 7.8 billion people in the world at the present time. The world is increasing by 83 million per year. And I think I have that in my article in Calvary Messenger this, this past month. And so if one-fourth are killed, uh, one-third are killed, uh, one-third of 7.8 is, let's say, 6.8. Um, If 1 billion are raptured, oh, this is what I want to say. 7.8, 1 billion are raptured. That means 6.8 remain. Divide that by 3, or one third. That's 2.3. Subtracted from 6.8 makes 4.5 billion. If later at another time, one fourth of the population is killed, that would one fourth of 4.5. Divide by 4 would be 1.1. Deducted from 4.5 would make 3.4 billion, which would be a remaining on the earth, which would be about half the population. We think about the judgment of God. When these trumpets will sound, there will be the seals will be opened, seven seals, and then seven trumpets, and then seven bowls be poured out. <clears throat> I don't see that as happening in one day at one moment of time, but rather in a succession. The prophecy gives us an idea toward thinking that it could be a seven-year period. And they become increasingly more severe. And these trumpet judgments are in between the seal judgments and the bowl judgments. <clears throat> Let's go now to First Thessalonians chapter 4. Just a very exciting scripture. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 14. Verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, or unknowing concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. And this we say, we believe, verse 14, Verse 15, we say, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself, he, the Lord, he himself, shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, 
which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. These words are for our comfort as spoken. We don't seem to make figures of speech out of them. We don't make them shadows with certain other meanings. We don't spiritualize it. We don't allegorize it. We don't do anything with it. We take it as it says. We believe. It has, we believe, and we say, and the Lord, he shall come, and we which are alive and remain. It's all personal about him and about us. <clears throat> Two children's stories that are interesting for regardless what age you are at. Judges. We'll go to the book of Judges and uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. And so it was when the Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them and they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth. Till thou come unto Gaza, Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor us. For they came up with their cattle in their tents and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. For both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel, the children of Israel, <laughs> they cried unto the Lord. I think I would. We're farmers. We're looking forward to the crop. There's a lot of work and expense into a crop. And when people come from the east, and they come from the west, and they come from wherever else, with their camels, with all their trucks, and with all their combines, and they harvest our grain and take it, carry it off, we would cry unto the Lord too. They cried unto the Lord. Well, Israel had sinned. And because of it, God did allow his hand of judgment to come upon them and cause these sore evils upon them, them, upon their lands, which resulted to be upon them. And Gideon prays in verse 13, and Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then has all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us out of, up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. We probably can't hardly, being that it's a story, we can't probably feel with them. It's just history. We know that they got a big deliverance and they got help from the Lord. So it hardly touches us. One of the things you can do in reading stories like this is try to put yourself into it. Like you put a lot of work in your garden. Somebody comes in and takes all your stuff. And it's not 
the possums and porcupines and coons and that kind of thing. Even the cats take some of our sweet corn, some wild cats. It's not that. It's people. So Gideon prays to the Lord. And God tells him what to do. In Judges 6, 34. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet. And Abiezer was gathered unto him. One trumpet. Man comes. It's going to help out. And he said, messengers throughout all Israel. And God told Gideon what to do. Uh, he told them how to select uh, men. And we can't go into that. That's in chapter 7. And he divided uh, Judges 7, 16. Verse 15. And it was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof that he worshipped and returned into the host uh, and returned into the host of Israel and said, Arise! For the Lord hath delivered you into your hand, the host of Midian. And he divided the 300 men into three camp companies. And he put a trumpet in every man's hand with, and, uh, with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. And he said, watch me and do as I do. Mm -hmm. Pitchers and lamps. The best I can do, a lamp we got in Israel... <laughs> A picture out of the cupboard at home. Take a lamp and a picture. He said, watch me and do as I do. He put the lamp in the picture, lighted it, and they were to go and go into the host. Uh, go, uh, they had companies of 100 people, three sets of 100. And in 720 it says... And the three companies blew the trumpets. It'd be startling if I break this picture. I won't do that, but imagine it. Breaking a picture, and the light shines. And the flash of light from 300 men, 100 here, 100 here, 100 here, startles the Amidonites, and they take off running. Now, when an enemy runs, that's the time when they're vulnerable. So the Israelites run after them and they subdue them and get them quite out of their way. Because when you turn back, half the battle is already against you. <clears throat> and the 300 blew the trumpets and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow even throughout all the host. And the host fled to Bethshita and Zerath and to the borders of, you can see it there in your Bible. All right, next we want to be looking at Joshua, chapter 6. Also in chapter 6, interestingly. Judges chapter 6, and now Joshua, chapter 6. Uh, reading verses 1 through 5. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor, and ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go around about the city once. 
Thus shalt thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times. And the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with a ram's horn, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, and all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city shall fall down flat. And the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. And Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said unto them, Take up the ark of the covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And then he says, and this is what we're going to do. Seven times around the city, once, every six, for one, uh, once per day, six days in a row. And then on the seventh day, you go seven times. What about the specifics of God's word? Important or not? Important or do it your way? So it's so much fun doing it the first day. Let's do it again. Do you think God would have blessed them? They go around the city the second time the first day and just for anyhow, nothing else to do. I don't think. I don't think God would have blessed them. I don't think they would have had the victory. I don't think he would have worked on their behalf. It was once every day for six days. See, uh, Naaman, when he was to be cured of his leprosy, how often was he supposed to dip? Seven times. Okay, that's what I was thinking, seven times. Seven times? <laughs> okay. Specifics? Does it matter? Sure. It did anyhow in the past. <clears throat> that is wanting to tell us something about our present. In Jericho, did every house fall down flat? It says that that will happen. And the wall of the city shall fall down flat. It's a very great wall. And the people, sh uh, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat. And houses that were on the wall, did they all fall down flat? What do you say? Hmm? No. No. Okay. <laughs> you, have to be, you have to be careful when you answer a preacher because it's in front of the whole congregation. So, all the houses, all the wall, fell down flat except one. Well, what happened? Well, what happened was that the provision and prophecy was that since the spies were helped when they were there, that this lady and her household could be spared and her house stood. Hmm? And that has significance too, of which we cannot talk now in particular. So they had, so coming around, the seventh time, they were blow seven times. I'm sorry I don't have a trumpet. I could have, maybe somebody in the congregation has a trumpet. You didn't bring it this morning, of course, but let me know if you have a real trumpet. Um, I don't know if I'll give this somewhere else or not, but this is really the best I could do 
um, I thought the children would at least like it, and I kind of like blowing it myself. <laughs> it uh, it kind of puts a little reality into, oh, but, uh, so, so little reality into what really was happening. It was probably very loud. We ought to pick up on some of that loudness. We ought to take notice that the people were supposed to shout. They were supposed to shout. What does that remind you of? That they were supposed to shout and it caused the judgment to come upon Jericho. The shout, the priests blowing their trumpets, so the people had a part in it. But what about the shout? Let's go again to 1 Thessalonians and look at that verse again. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 For the Lord himself shall ascend from heaven with a what? With a shout. The Lord himself shall descend with a shout. The shout will be a victory shout. Typically, when there was war times, in Bible times, there was a shouting. Both the victors and the vanquished would shout. And sometimes it wasn't known, are they shouting because they lost or are they shouting because they won? Well, those who win really have something to shout about. And those who lose are fearful for their lives because they will be made slaves. They will be taken out of their land. They will probably be separated from their families. They even could be, as Josephus says, that in the destruction of Jerusalem, 97,000 were taken as captives in that 70 AD skirmish. 97,000 were taken as, cam- as, as captives, and many of them were sold to other countries. And with that, they were dispersed all over the world. And Rome filled their coffers with the money. The spoils of the war. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. The Lord will provide the shout. And he will blow the trumpet. And he will cause us to change. I had thought that it would be possible that we could all blink our eyes at the same time. (laughs) And just as a thought that that's how suddenly the Lord will come and will change us. Just like that. Just like a blink of the eye. There'll be the shout, the trumpet, and the blink of an eye. As far as the time involved here for that great moment. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I want to go now to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 15. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, 
and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. <clears throat> so there is the trumpet, and <clears throat> there is the change. It is a mystery that has been revealed. It does not remain a mystery. It has been interpreted. It is open, and it is a message for us today. <clears throat> for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and the mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. So we are changed. The body is changed. Our location is changed. We are forever with the Lord. <clears throat> and um, there will be one blast of the trumpet, and we're gone. Because one is for what? And we'll, with that blast of the trumpet, we'll go to be with the Lord forever. Why? To worship. <laughs> The trumpets in Revelation are for what? Judgments against the wicked, the unrighteous, and the unbelievers. All those that are left behind. And why is this important? Because it's a warning. And one of the things that I found very interesting in writing about the Revelation, the prophecies and number of the epistles, the prophecies of Christ that these things are given not as a threat. Got it? These things are given not as a threat. There are some things, we get letters in the mail sometimes that are threats. You do this or else. The Word of God, as it speaks of judgment, is a word of kindness and a word of invitation Think about the devotional this morning. Come. That's it. It's an invitation. It's to let us know, let the whole world know that this is for real, this will take place, and you can come. The four most used words in the Bible are number one, Lord. Number two, God, number three, said, number four, come. Can I come? Yes. <laughs> when? The Bible says, now. The time is, there's a reason why advertisers say, do it now. <laughs> there's a reason that they say, for three days only. It's so that you proceed and that you get it done in a timely way while there is still time. <clears throat> I want to take now the words of Jesus. <clears throat> I want to say, before I read the words of Christ, there are, a, shall I say a lot, there are a number of people, numerous people in our world who are asking about the end. There are people that are wondering, how long can we go on like this? Are we self-destructing? 
considering the environment, considering resources, even water. There's been concern expressed that we, the world may run out of potable water, that is, water that can, you can drink. And these things are very scary. Google says that our world now is increasing by 83 million and that by the increase of, we're 7.8 million, which would rise at about 8 uh, billion. Not million, billion. We are 7, 8 billion. We don't know how many that is. That is 1,000 million becomes 1 billion. We are at 7.8 billion, and in two years, we should be at 8 billion, and at 83 million added per year would come to about 20, 36 every 12 years with another billion. That would make it 9 billion. Another 12 years at this rate, you understand, at this rate of 83 million per year. By 2046, we would be at 10 billion for a population worldwide. And they say there that scientists and people who study demographics, that is people count and all things in the world, matching resources with billions of people, that the world will be maxed out when we reach either 9 billion or 10 billion people. That's scary. We have a message that is from Revelation, that is from the words of our Lord. The Lord Jesus gave the word of Revelation. And he spoke also when he was on earth and had prophecies to say, to speak of. <clears throat> we have a message that for purpose of evangelism and sharing with our friends and in a worldwide witness, we have a message that the conservative and Baptists have scarcely touched. It's the words of prophecy. Of what the Lord says will be. I have a particular burden about this. <clears throat> My sun is going down. The sunset. I don't know how long I will live. <clears throat> but I hope to have some legacy back with the writings of the commentaries. Another book that I'm doing is the principles of the principle, uh, creation principles, beginning and principles of the end, the end. Those two books will make a tremendous, I think, by the help of God, a tremendous evangelism tool to be sharing with people. Some of those people are right in our own families and churches that need to be saved. Of looking at the end and knowing that he who made the beginning also holds the end safely in his care and that we need not fear. And the confidence that we have in God will support us right on through to the end so that we need not fear about what the Bible says will happen in the book of Revelation, for instance. <clears throat> Matthew 24, 31, we have the words of Christ. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. And then he says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. 
But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken, and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken, and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. <clears throat> um, your children going to school. Um, do you, in your school, get anything about the Big Bang? Do you know about the Big Bang? The Big Bang. They say that, some people would like to think that everything started with a Big Bang because they don't know origins. And evolutionists, would, for instance, would say, ah, we don't want sure, but we know that, well, yeah, probably there was a Big Bang, and out of that, life started. So the question is, <clears throat> uh, for all the adults, do you believe in the Big Bang? Anyone? Anyone here that believes in the Big Bang? I do. I believe in the Big Bang. <clears throat> because the Bible says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. That's the Big Bang I believe in. <laughs> and the Lord come, came. I believe in the Big Bang. Isn't that helpful? So we talk to people. You can say, you don't know how to witness. You don't know what to say. You can say to him tomorrow, do you believe in the Big Bang? <laughs> and they might be surprised if you say, I believe in the Big Bang. <laughs> Just depends which, way, which end of the earth that you put it. I put mine at the end of the world. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, Theirs also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Thus is the word of the Lord for today. May you be encouraged. Uh, remember that uh, these things are not given in the Bible as a threat. They are given for the purpose of invitation. And with that, we can come. Let us kneel to pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the blessedness of trusting in you. We believe that you are trustworthy for all that you have spoken will surely come to pass. For Jesus has said that heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. So we trust in you, O God, and we pray that um, that trust, that faith can be strengthened and can be uh, the enabling of walking acceptably before you in our time and place. We thank you, dear Lord, for the church and its fellowship. We thank you for nurture. We thank you for the 
being built up in the faith, and being encouragement one to another. We pray, O oh Lord, that um, we can be accepted of you, that um, in our weakness and in our undoneness, O oh Lord, without your grace, we have so much that we should confess as being unworthy, O oh Lord, but we thank you that you have given us that worthiness in Christ whereby we can come. You are inviting us to come and thank you, Lord, that you have given forewarning of what can be expected upon the earth. Uh, dear Father, as we seek to make uh, some conversation about some of those things to unsaved people, that we can do it with a sense of love in our hearts, as a sense of informing and that um, you would bring people by conviction of your spirit to yourself to receiving Jesus as their Savior and walking in his paths in their lives. We pray, Lord, that you would further give growth and increase to the Church of Christ. For our own congregation, O oh Lord, as we have um, been blessed of you these 110 years and other churches have started as a result of our congregation, even now, dear Lord, for the church in, uh, that uh, has their dedication today in Prairie County, we pray that you would bless them in a very special and particular way, O oh Lord, that grace may be given to them, that you would bring people in so that uh, further nurture and preparedness for service and preparedness for the Lord Jesus when he comes again with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, that there can be a readiness for that great day. Thank you, Lord, for our children. Thank you for the grandchildren. Thank you, Lord, for the youth. We thank you for all that you have given to us for the various generations here together in our church. We pray for those who have physical disabilities, that you would minister to them, provide healing for John and Jonathan, for Dan and Daniel, we pray that you would bless them, that they can uh, be uh, enabled by your Spirit in their hearts, to be strengthened by your Spirit, O oh Lord, to be given hope by your Spirit, O oh Lord, to be given grace for each day. Bless those who minister to them and others, Lord, of our relatives or parents that are ailing. We pray that you would um, bless them. Help us, Lord, as caregivers that we can do our part. We can be strengthened in the inner man so that our hands and our feet can be enabled for the needs of others. May your good will be done through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.